What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Heroes for Sale podcast. My name is Adam. I am your host. On today's episode, I want to go over a topic of that's not really, it's related to cards, but at the same time, it isn't. Uh, so it's about how I used to play fantasy football. So I don't play, well, I do fantasy for like daily fantasy, but I don't do, I'm not in any season long leagues, which I've debated the past two seasons getting back into it, but I don't know. I, for the longest time, I realistically was only watching the Patriots play. Like, and now, I mean, now that Tom Brady's gone, like, I don't even know if I'll, I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to watch the NFL or if I'm going to watch it. I just don't, I don't, being a, being a Patriots fan, I felt like the league was, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit cocky or biased, but like as a Patriots fan, I just felt like the league wasn't that good. Like I felt like it was almost random at times, like when players would go off or whatever, what have you or whatever. I mean, so for like the set for the first, for, for the last like two, I'm trying to think back to the last season I played it the last season that I played was probably like 2016. So like three or four years at this point where I just haven't played any season long fantasy. But when I was playing season long fantasy, uh, my strategy, so I mean my draft strategy, and I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this. I am imagining at this point now that we're three, four years out from me playing, it may be a strategy. I don't know, but it was, so it was zero RB. So I drafted like six wide receivers in the first round or the first like six rounds. Um, and then I started drafting running backs and, but that's not really the point of this. So the point I'm trying to make is like one other thing that I really did try and do a lot of was try and find these, the high, um, like after the first six rounds. Cause once you get past the sixth, the sixth round or the seventh round, you realistically, you're not, I'd say that part of your roster is changing more, at least when I remember playing. It changed a lot more than, like, the rest. Like, the first... You do have to hit on, like, the first six picks, in my opinion. And I don't know if that relates to cards, but I've said this when I'm talking about FIFA. Like, I want to... I want to be correct about things, but I also want to be correct in areas that I think people may have overlooked which is one reason why when I was playing fantasy, I went to got to those like six, seven, well, actually probably more like the eighth or ninth round, 10th round. But after like the seventh or eighth round, after I finally drafted, like um, after I finally drafted a running back, uh, I pretty much was looking for high, um, high ceiling guys with like a, like a low floor, like, is that correct? Is that the correct terms? Yeah, I think so. High ceiling, low floor, which basically I was looking to like hit a home run with the pick, or I was looking to bust on the pick. Uh, because when I was drafting, I also wasn't drafting quarterbacks and tight ends and kickers and defenses until the last four rounds. Because those middle rounds is when I was trying to maximize the amount of. I was trying to maximize those picks in a way that I thought I was drafting players who if they hit if they were like a top I don't know let's say if they were a top if they end up being a top 20 player and I drafted them at like I don't know let's say 100 that's that's a type of move for me that was going to potentially win a league because like I want to hit on those first five picks but granted you can trade and that's one thing that I did was I would I would trade wide receivers eventually. Like if I had the 
let's just say you're playing in a 10-team league, and let's say you're in the, um, what, the fifth round. So that's like pick 50. So out of the 50 picks, I'm choosing five wide receivers. So, like, that means I'm basically getting five of the top 30 wide receivers potentially in the league. And for me, I thought the wide receiver position was more important from a standpoint it's and it's almost it's similar to the like break or bust kind of pick there where it's like I wanted the player either to be a top 25 player or I wanted it to be a zero and I was going to just pick up somebody else now the strategy I used when I was picking up the quarterbacks and tight ends and running backs was I was just going by the by who, by the matchups, essentially. And how, how does this relate to cards, kind of? And it's something that I've sort of looked into, and I've taken a little bit of my card strategy, like, of how I'm trying to find cards. Like, so what I've tried to do is buy cards that I think are undervalued, that are, that could be in that top 20 to 30, but, like, the pricing of them is around let's say let's just say it's top 50 ish i guess that's one way of looking at it so like that's kind of how i am approaching some of the cards that i'm buying like that aren't i mean look there's blue chips and it and it's this the main difference with fancy and with card buying is that like everybody can own a blue chip like in fantasy football everybody can't own um the Julio, no, Julio Jones, maybe, or everybody can't own a DeAndre Hopkins, but like in real life, everybody can own a Luca or everybody can own a Trey or a LeBron. But I'm looking for more of like the seventh, eighth, ninth round kind of um, players who are undervalued, and that's kind of what I was looking at. And I forget exactly which. I think I used Fantasy Pros, and they had a floor. They had a like a ranking system that was like potential, like floor points and like ceiling points, like what their potential ceiling was. So like that's kind of where I'm looking. Like with cards, is, is it, it's a little bit different because I think here's the thing with the cards. Um, what you're gonna do with the cards is you will you don't want you never want to go to zero it, with cards, but if you can hypothetically, if you can go to, if you, if you break even, like if eventually you, you kind of look and you're like, well, this is not, this didn't work out. And if you can just sell the card and make your money back, that's one way that I have seen. That's one way that I've seen it work hypothetically. Like, sure. If you, and this, I think this is different right now because of kind of what's going on with like the virus and stuff like that. But like, yes, if you bought a Luca card, a week ago, it was $600, and unfortunately, now it's, like, $400, probably, so, like, but that's if you, but the thing, the also, the thing is, that's if you're selling the card, like, if you sell right now, then, yes, you lost $200, um, now, I'm not necessarily, like, I have sold some cards, but I'm not necessarily saying to buy or to sell i think if you can buy i think this is now now is a great time to buy because of what's going on with the prices because they're going down and like i don't know what luca cards will eventually get to like i don't necessarily know if we're seeing a correction or if we're seeing a um decrease in the price 
Like, because I think they're both both of those scenarios are on the table. Uh, I don't think one is correct at this point. There's no way to really tell if tell which one is correct and which one's not correct because like as more people are coming into the hobby this is maybe this is a scenario where it's 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 all it's impossible to predict something like this um unfortunately so you're looking at it and you're saying well yeah obviously it's on you can't predict a you can't predict something like this so and i know i know i just kind of repeated myself there but like you're looking at the scenario and you're saying, well, yeah, so if you're going to be buying, will the cards eventually go back up? So I guess that will sort of depend. Um, that will that will sort of depend on, like, if, if, um, if eventually down the road here, once sports are back on and all that stuff... Uh, Will people still be interested in cards? And I think yes. Like I, I don't think my opinion on whether cards are a good thing to look into. Like I think there are tons of reasons why cards are very interesting still and are very like on the come up. If you are buying or if you are collecting, once sports are back, I think that obviously gives more people a reason to look into look into the cards more i suppose but like it's just i mean yeah it's unfortunate obviously what's happened kind of in the past few weeks like but i don't i just like i said i'm not 100 percent sure whether the the price changes are a correction or if we're just looking at a dip now and this is gonna be an opportunity to buy uh and then in two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, these cards are back up to six $600, you know, because I have been, I'll, I'll admit it, hand up, I've been incorrect about these cards on multiple occasions throughout kind of my card journey, I guess you could say. I mean, for the most part, I'd say I've been pretty consistent in saying that I think these cards are good buys and that they you should be buying them, but I was very incorrect about like what I thought was going to happen with the Luca cards when the Zion cards came out. So like I would say take maybe what I'm saying now with a grain of salt like what with what could happen. I'm also these aren't my these these are my opinions here, but I'm also kind of taking into account p other people that I've talked to have also kind of said the same thing that I'm saying where they think the cards will go back up in once the, I don't know what is gonna, I don't know what's gonna end up having to happen for the cards to go back up. Like sports is obviously gonna have to come back, but I don't know when that could be. I mean, that could be July. That could be the end of April. I mean, there's the timeline isn't really super. Um, it's the word I'm looking for. Isn't super settled, I guess, at this point. Like. I, I don't know. It's unfortunate, obviously, that this has kind of happened because especially... But I think it may be a good thing. That's one That's one way to also look at it. It may be a good thing because you look at... I, I had been talking about how the prices of, like, Prism and, like, all these cards, they were just getting kind of crazy. So, like, maybe a correction or maybe, like, a decrease in the pricing of the cards is a good thing for... Maybe, maybe like an in, 
an investor, I, I would say. Like, it could be good for an investor because you could, if you're selling now, I would imagine if you're selling, you're probably going to be buying in the future. Like, you know, the, the like someone reached out to me. Um, I'm actually going to sh- give them a little shout out here and I'm going to um, go to their uh, Lucas um, Shuros reached out to me and asked if he sh- or if they should sell their their Acuna for 200 or if they should wait. And I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing with it. Uh, I've sold some cards. I mean, I think I I did sell a Luca. I tried to sell a Luca. Well, I didn't actually sell it. I tried to sell a Luca card uh, and the buyer just didn't pay. So like that's annoying. So I didn't sell the Luca like I had planned on it, but I had, like I said, I was going to, and I was going to sell it. And it's person. I'm. It's annoying because I had two offers on the table, and I picked the offer. I picked the buyer with more feedback, like because both of the the buyers had a uh, five fifty offer, and that's what I was going to sell it for was five fifty. And I picked the buyer with more feedback, and obviously, I mean that's. That, unfortunate because that's not the person didn't pay so like that's annoying but i was planning on selling them now i'm probably just gonna i haven't decided if i want to because now the cards for luca the cards are around 400 so i haven't decided whether i want to sell the card for 400 or if i want to hold it because i think it's a thousand dollar card once the nba comes back and maybe it's a thousand dollar card in a year or two um I had planned on selling it, like because I bought it for sixty five, and I was okay taking taking the profit of a of a five hundred and fifty dollar card that I spent six sixty five dollars on. Um, and I put out another another tweet actually. So if you go to my Twitter, obviously because it's a tweet, uh, a Palmer Media, I had put out this tweet the other day, and I said I, I was thinking about it. Because I think I think I was on like TikTok Live or something, and I it popped into my head like I just didn't. The thing that I thought was the thing about Luca cards, I don't know if we're ever going to see a more surefire card opportunity. Like these Luca cards were sixty five dollars. They were actual. I mean, they were even lower than that at one point. Like during. Even at the end of last season, these cards were around like fifty. Like some, you could buy them for forty-five, probably maybe even cheaper. Like that's just when he kind of caught onto my radar. The cards themselves, but like the Luca and Trey cards that you buy, you bought Trey for forty, or and Luca for sixty-five or fifty, or however much you bought it for, and like these were like all-star, superstar caliber players. So I and I don't know if we'll ever see an opportunity with the growth that we saw from that last summer to now. And I mean, somebody obviously can maybe point out like another card that has done something like that. Like I think the Soto card was like $30 last year and then it went up to like a hundred. So it's a similar, similar growth percentage, but like Luca and Trey were so, they were such uh almost, I don't want to say sure fire, but they were, at the time when you could have been buying these for $65-$40, these they were superstars in the making. They were already superstars. Like Luca was already a superstar. Trey, I thought the the verdict was still a little bit out on Trey to be honest, but like Luca was a, a was a certified superstar 
last summer and then going into this year. And he's shown that this season. He like he's borderline MVP. Um, and I just don't know if we're ever going to see another opportunity like that again for cards to really go up, increase in value that significantly. Um, and also just with like such a surefire thing. Like sure we may see we may see cards go from sixty to five hundred, six hundred dollars, but like the Luca market, the Luca card, I don't think it, but that that's kind of going back to the point I was trying to make about fantasy. Like there may there may be a undervalued card that you find that you make a good investment on and you three, four, five X your investment, but like the Luca, and I know I've, I keep saying this, but the Luca card, and I and I am kicking myself for not buying more because Sasha was telling me to buy them all summer, and I didn't listen to him. Um, even the Trey cards, he was telling me to buy those Trey cards too, like Trey and Luca. He was like, "These are the cards you need to buy. You need to be buying. You don't need to buy anything else." Like, and now it's gotten to a point where it's a little bit harder to. There's no. I don't think there's as many surefire cards that are $65 now like you know you may be able to find like like Peyton Manning like like players in the league like and it's it's maybe it's similar to like LeBron how um how LeBron cards were a thousand and now I mean like I said they have gone down a little bit they're four or five but they were around seven which I still think they're probably like 10 to 15 k Maybe even more than that. I think they do. They have a similar trajectory to the Jordan Fleer rookie, um, but I don't know if there will ever be a more surefire investment than those Trey and Luca cards from last summer. Like, uh, and I mean, it's it's maybe it's something where I, you I would almost put Jason Tatum also in that um, conversation as well because. As a Celtics fan, I knew how good Jason Tatum was, uh, and I didn't. His cards were around forty or fifty, um, and now they're like two fifty ish, ranging to around two fifty. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I think one one way, and I guess I'll kind of I'll wrap up kind of my points about the the card market compared to fantasy um, fantasy sports, where. You can, your knowledge of the, of the players who are in the, um, let's say the thirty to fifty range, is going to give you a leg up potentially when you're trying to buy cards where the value is, you know, I, I don't I don't know where the market value of these cards is going to go but like i'll just i'll make up some numbers here i'll say if you are buying cards in the 40 to 50 or even i would say maybe even 25 25 to 50 dollar range um those players the players that have the potential to go from 25 to 50 to two to three hundred for their psa 10 rookies i think that's an opportunity that if you know um if you know players that are in the uh, that are rookies, maybe, and maybe not even rookies, but like players who are in the thirty, maybe even, maybe even lower, maybe the fifty to a hundred range, because like in the NBA there aren't that many p- 
player. There aren't as many players as there are in like the NFL. Like, and that's why the NBA is maybe a little bit different fantasy wise than football because with the NBA, you're realistic. You're not looking at, um, you know, there there aren't. 11 there aren't 11 players on the field at the time and position players also I mean it's it's more like six or seven position players like that you could have like running backs wide receivers quarterbacks stuff like that um but so like that's where having that type of knowledge will help you if you're collecting cards and that's where I think that's what I've tried to I've tried to do something similar to that when I am trying to find lower end cards to buy cards that I think and and you know it could even just be it could be maybe it's not the 30 to 50 the players in the 30 to 50 maybe you're looking at a player who's in the 5 10 to 15 range but like his card or his card is in the 40 to 50 range and it could be potentially a 20 uh, top 20 card like you could be looking at like a luka um and instead of luka prism it could be like it, like I've said in the past, the Luca Select, or it could be like the Luca um, Hoops card, or like any of the other top Luca cards. Uh, if you, that's kind of the two ways. And I think that's I think I had a podcast a couple weeks ago where I talked about uh, the two ways basically to invest is either to invest in a bunch of players, or you invest in one player and you invest in a bunch of products, or you pick one product and you do it that way. I think that's also a, a decent option if you want to do that, but. Yeah, so like if you have the Luca, if you Luca's your guy and that's the guy you want to invest in and you buy a bunch of um Revolution Lucas or a bunch of Spectrum Lucas or Select Lucas and those cards are ranking in the 40 to 50 range, like if you see them having a potential to be in the 20 range, like that's obviously going to help you and that's one way that I'm that's how I'm thinking about it basically. And I want to share that thought process with everybody because I think it will, I think it should help collectors, maybe not collectors, it'll help investors look into, it'll help investors with their mindset of how I'm looking into cards and how I've seen undervalued cards. Um, and, I mean, that's all I got for this episode. I mean, unfortunately, I had this whole other episode that I had recorded, and it was about, other news, quickly, PSA, they... Um, they were planning on shutting down because California was doing like a shutdown of their facility for shutdown of their like locations in, in California and PSA is located in California. And then today, like literally in between when I recorded the last podcast and then when I was um, recording this podcast, PSA came out and they're like, no, we're just kidding. We're going to be open. So obviously not to that. That's a little bit of an exaggeration of what they said. They, the, the, Maybe the, I think what happened was the um, attorney general or like the mayor or the somebody in California clarified the law that they were the non-essential workers were to shut down their facilities. Uh, so now they're going to be they're going to be open now. I guess as of the nineteenth, which I think is the nineteenth is when this podcast comes out. So yeah, you'll. Uh, PSA closed, opened all in a one day span. So that's big. I mean, I had a little bit of a rant on what to do now that PSA is closed, but now it's obviously not closed. So hopefully they'll be, you know, realistically, if, if I were PSA, I would, I, if I were PSA, 
Now, I'm not, so that I always want to point that out. I would have said we are not going to be closed, but we are going to be stopping shipments because that's what it was. It was they weren't going to be shipping anything out, and they weren't going to be taking any more in, incoming shipments, and they weren't going to be do, grading any cards. I would, I would honestly try and use this opportunity as something to catch up because they are they are behind is from what I've heard uh, from a couple different people I've heard talk about PSA. They are a little bit behind when it comes to like how many cards they have that are backlogged. So, you know, I don't know if PSA will ever be able to catch up considering how, um, considering how popular grading has become. I don't know when or how PSA will ever have an opportunity to come back and to, um, to catch up, but that's, I mean, that's the news and that's all that's, like I said, I had a podcast recorder where I talked about it and then I, so I wanted to re-record the episode. Um, I mean, that's going to be it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I forget if I talked about the Patreon. It's So the Patreon is a, so it's going to be an extra episode every month or extra, extra episode every week with, so that's four extra episodes a month. And it's going to give you access to the exclusive Twitter uh, that I created for Heroes for Sale, which basically is just going to be like a private Twitter that only the people on the Patreon have access to. Um, I've thought about doing exclusive Patreon live streams, but I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to do that yet. But the Patreon, it's, it's going to be $5 a month uh, for an extra episode of the podcast and then an ex- for the Twitter content, which you can also follow me on A Palmer Media, which I'm posting a lot of card stuff on there. But the stuff that I'm going to be posting on uh, the Heroes for Sale Twitter, which I, I haven't really started using yet, is going to be more um, like ins- insight stuff, like uh, uh, for example, like if I'm doing research uh, on some sort of card or some player, I'm I'm going to be putting that into the Twitter and talking about talking about what I'm doing basically and trying to give more insight to maybe a new collector or someone who just wants to get a little bit of a closer. How do I want to put it? A closer look into what I'm thinking there. Uh, but that's the Twitter. And like I said, extra episode. Uh, it's probably going to be like a half an hour episode for the Patreon. Um, that's not going to be any, you know, I'm not going to actually, I'm not going to get into it because I, I want to do, like I said, I want to do a full episode about it. So uh, that's all I got for the, the that for now. But if you want to subscribe, the Patreon's there on TikTok and on Instagram. The link is in my bio if you want to do that. You know, everybody. Thank you for listening. I'll see you in the next episode.